0: Ed Flash Farrance. Inside the mind of Howard Schultz, the CEO
1: of Starbucks, and why he's fighting the union drive at the company. UAW faculty members in New York win after a three-week-long strike. And today on the show, the latest from the Communication Workers of America and the Food and Commercial Workers, Local 75 in the Midwest. Welcome to the Tuesday, December 13th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. Frank Matthews is going to be our first guest on the show today, longtime supporter of the show. He is the administrative director of CWA District 4. That includes five states in the Midwest, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, and Wisconsin. We're going to talk about the elections in the Midwest, especially Michigan. Big change over there, where the House and Senate flipped. Give you an update on broadband. Also, a couple of unfair labor practices at Wells Fargo. They're trying to organize. A lot of organizing going on with the uh, communication workers, especially in the gaming industry. We've been talking about that. And there's a story. That's getting national attention by a number of organizations. And the problem is with our federal government, the Federal Trade Commission is suing to block the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal that would create a stronger company and protect consumers by empowering workers. Now, the FTC says that the merger is going to harm Consumers. Well, the CWA is coming down on this one. In fact, uh, on the national website, cwa-union.org, here's uh, what is written: The CWA, for years, has raised concerns about the effect of mergers on workers in the labor market, and we have worked with economists to assess the real risk of a monopoly to workers, including this transaction. Union representation and collective bargaining agreements are the most powerful tools we have to balance power between workers and companies. Now, in this deal, if Microsoft were to take over Activision Blizzard, they came out, this was a couple of months ago, saying that they will remain neutral if the union wanted to organize. That's huge that is huge. So now you know why they're so adamant about coming down on the Federal Trade Commission. And Frank's going to talk about that. And we'll also uh, get into affordable connectivity in the CWA. You now, we've talked about this a couple of times. There's a, a program going on that the government started. This is a good program on the FCC side, Federal Communications Commission, that would help connect families and households struggling to afford internet service. And if you don't have internet service today, you are in the dark. It's equivalent to not having a telephone years ago. Okay? CWA union.org. Bill Benner will be joining us later in the show. And he is the Director of Organizing and Political Action for the Food and Commercial Workers, Local 75, UFCW75.org. This is a union of 30,000 working people united to improve our industries and our communities. Members work in supermarkets, drugstores, food processing, packing plants, cannabis facilities, a lot of organizing going on there, healthcare facilities, and this is all along the I-75 corridor, which includes Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky. Now, some of the organizing, we're going to talk about uh, what has happened post-pandemic because uh, food and commercial workers, I mean, it was a tough, tough one there. I mean, people were going crazy stocking up on food during the pandemic. A lot of workers got sick. You saw a lot of organizing in non-union outlets. We'll talk about that. And apparently you got some victories here with uh, CVS, Walgreens, and Kroger in half-price books. We'll also touch on the midterms, some victories in Ohio, sending a couple of strong voices to Washington. We'll touch on that, and there's a downside as well. So we'll cover it all with uh, Bill Benner. Again, Director of Organizing and Political Action for the Food and Commercial Workers Union. Unions in the news making news. This labor update brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. Faculty members at the New School in New York, all represented by the United Art Workers, have ended their three-week-long strike, which has grown increasingly hostile in the last week after finally reaching a tentative agreement with the university late Saturday evening. The strike had virtually halted operations at the university entirely as nearly 90% of the faculty consists of the untenured adjunct professors and lecturers who were striking for better wages and benefits. Though details Have not been released. The new school released a statement calling the agreement, quote, a strong, fair five-year contract that increases compensation significantly, protects health care benefits, and ensures that part-time faculty are paid for additional work done outside the classroom to support our students. Can you believe that? They're working outside the classroom and they were not getting paid. The statement from the union declared that the agreement included substantial raises, though union members have said that their compensation under the agreement would still remain below that of comparable universities. On the West Coast, in contrast, nearly 50,000 University of California graduate student workers are still on strike throughout the state. And this is going into week number five. They're calling for pay increases, job security protections, child care reimbursements, stronger disability accommodations, among other provisions. That strike began on November 14th. It is the largest in the history of higher education, and it is intensifying. Workers, on the one hand, have begun to participate in numerous direct actions across the state, including protests at the offices of the university administration, the university itself, and has begun to threaten and take legal action in response. And 17 people, by the way, were cited for trespass during a sit-in at the university's president's office. That was uh, last week. The student workers who receive annual salaries averaging less than $25,000 per year often struggle to afford rent, food, and basic necessities. Keep in mind, this is California. It ain't cheap to live in California. How do you get by on $25,000 a year? And this is higher education. And look what they're charging the students for tuition today. Unbelievable. You know, yesterday we talked about Starbucks. Last Friday, December 9th, was uh, the first anniversary of the win at Buffalo first uh, store in the country to unionize. And since that time workers at more than 330 Starbucks locations held representation elections with the NLRB and 268 of them have voted in favor of unionizing. Well, with that being said, the company has clamped down and um, the uh, organizing has definitely slowed And you have to point this out. Starbucks has yet to sign any collective bargaining agreement with Workers United, which has accused the company of bargaining in bad faith to prolong those negotiations. That's very, very common. Getting a first contract is so darn difficult. Same goes with Amazon. Staten Island, New York, the JFK 8 warehouse. They have yet to get a CBA on that one. Well, getting back to Starbucks, over the weekend, there was an article published in the New York Times titled, Why is Howard Schultz? Now, Howard Schultz is the CEO. Actually, he was the CEO. He kind of retired and came back as CEO to fight the union. So why is he taking this so personally? Well, the writers talked to a couple of friends and longtime colleagues of Mr. Schultz. And they said it isn't primarily about the bottom line, as many have presumed, but instead arises from a much more personal sentiment. Here's the deal. The article says, in his view, a union clashes with his image of Starbucks as a model employer. Schultz. The article points out is a longtime Democratic donor, even considered running for president and was reportedly Hillary Clinton's selection for labor secretary if she would have won in 2016. He apparently is resisting the union drive as a matter of self image. In short, this is right from the article, he prefers to see himself as a generous boss not a boss who is forced to treat employees generously. (laughs) Now, many Starbucks employees obviously disagree with his self-characterization as a generous boss, and that's essentially why they want the union in there. Sounds like he's got a pretty big ego, huh? Oh, we got a great company here. Why do you need the union? We treat you well. They probably drink a lot of coffee for free. And that coffee ain't cheap either. Wow. Prosecutors at the Labor Board have charged Apple Incorporated with committing a series of unfair labor practices. This is all in response to unionizing efforts at an Apple store in Atlanta. One of the charges includes the use of mandatory captive audience meetings, which while currently permitted, have recently come under attack as inherently coercive and thus unlawful by General Counsel Jennifer Abruzzo. The CWA petitioned for an election at the location earlier this year, but withdrew it after Apple allegedly engaged in an aggressive union-busting campaign. It continues and on and on and on. Got some good news, though, um, out of California in what uh, union backers hope will become a model for other states california has a new law imposing hefty fines on local governments that try union busting against their workers this is senate bill 931 by state senator connie leva and it mandates that when faced with an organizing drive state and local agencies cannot repeatedly and illegally send anti-union communications to their workers. If they do, and the state public employees relations board convicts them of lawbreaking, the agencies face fines of up to $1,000 per affected worker per day, up to a maximum of $100,000 plus attorney's fees and costs. Oh, boy. Now, this uh, legislation is one of a stream of pro-worker laws California has recently enacted. Another recent prominent one, this is uh, House Bill 2183, improves farm worker elections so the workers can participate beginning January 1 in elections free of intimidation and deportation. And the uh, United Farm Workers was the one pushing that. Wow, isn't that amazing? Things can change if you get the right people in office. All right, quick break. When we come back, Frank Matthews on behalf of the Communication Workers of America.
0: You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Farrans.
2: It takes Layuna to build North America's infrastructure.
0: there is unity and strength for workers.
2: We are the USW. We are the
0: USW. The United, United steel Steelworkers. Workers.
3: The largest industrial union in North America.
4: We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US Canada, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean.
3: We work in metals,
0: rubber, chemicals, paper,
4: oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector.
0: We are steelworkers. Standing strong fighting for what's right. The
1: United Auto Workers are one of the largest and most
2: diverse unions in North America, with members in virtually every sector of the economy. Learn more about this proud sponsor of our program at UAW.org.
1: Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing
0: painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferencz. And remember, you can check
1: us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. And if you like a show, I keep saying this on the show, please share that show. We appreciate that because we count all the downloads, our sponsors like that. So uh, we just want to keep the good things happening here on America's Workforce. And keep in mind, all the shows are archived on AWFpodcast.com, AWFpodcast.com. Let's go to line number one. Welcome a longtime supporter of the show. And that would be the Communication Workers of America national website, CWA-Union.org. Mr. Frank Matthews joining us from District 4, which includes five states in the Midwest. One of those states is Michigan. And I'll tell you, it took some time, but uh, they changed the political dynamics in that state. Mr. Matthews, welcome back to the show. Talk to me a little election recap here. Good news, bad news. Yeah. And there were some wins. and. Some conservatives are fighting back, at least in the state of Ohio. But talk to me about Michigan. What happened there, Frank?
3: Ah, uh, they, you know, for for the first time, and I think over a decade, the um, the worker friendly um, candidates took took the Senate and the House back in the state. So, you know, with with uh, Governor Whitmer's um, impressive victory um that for the first time and like i said over i think it's well over a decade um they'll be able to really really do some um uh worker friendly and some citizen friendly initiatives you know um they uh they went through a decade there where they they uh did the so-called right to work stuff they we, you know, had a water crisis in Flint up there. We, we did some, some awful political decisions and not geared toward people, and particularly working folks, so um, very excited. Um, you know, we constantly tell folks that politics matter, and, you know, people can get jaded, and yeah, yeah, yes, you know, same thing, different day kind of thing, but... I think that the citizens and the working families in Michigan are going to see a huge change in their lives over the next uh, couple years where they actually see le- uh, worker-friendly and family-friendly legislation getting passed. And first and foremost would be, uh, I, you know, I fully expect the uh, so-called right to work, which we know is the big lie um that right to work is good um being uh either you know re- reversed in that state and um and uh you know they a lot of things were just attacked over over the last uh decade and, and a half and uh we're gonna need a big you know we're gonna see a big turnaround there but uh the the, the biggest message there in Michigan is politics do matter. Who's in there matters and especially um, you know, when you're, when you've got the party that's worried about workers or the party that's worried about the CEO, um, we're going to see a lot of, a lot of change. Um, you know, we, we, uh, in Wisconsin, we're able to keep a very worker friendly governor and Tony Evers, um, which is great. Um, secretary of States were kept in Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, and, um, Illinois that uh truly were not conspiracy theorists, Secretary of State. So uh th- that was very encouraging. You know, all eyes were on the Midwest here. We had we had um uh you know, governors races in three states, uh Ohio, Michigan and Wisconsin. Uh two of Labor supported candidates, uh one in um, you know, Michigan and Wisconsin. Um, we uh, we had some Senate races which were which were huge. Um, unfortunately, uh, Labor's candidates of uh, Tim Ryan and um, Mandela Barnes in Wisconsin and Ohio fell just short. Um, but uh, uh, overall, for for the Midwest, I think um, uh, we didn't see the big the big red wave at all exactly somewhat the opposite that uh, was predicted and you know we had some some really good candidates uh you know we had a um uh you know a secretary of state candidate there in indiana that that labor had supported that just came short um we had um of course in illinois uh we basically run the run the ticket of worker-friendly labor-endorsed candidates which is usually no, no no surprise in Illinois. But overall, you know, I would say Ohio was the only uh, state that we kind of shook our head and said, you know, why, I guess it's we're going to have to figure it out, why are states like Wisconsin and Michigan uh, reversing that trend of anti-worker, anti-citizens' wants, anti-citizen um, opinion kind of stuff? why why is ohio going the other way it's um it's it's really sort of sad um but uh we have to figure that out and figure out what messaging has to be done there i mean i think we closed a little on it a little bit but um you know uh i i i think the the when you when we talk about politics matter we see this lame duck session here in ohio that is basically running um, all these bills now in lame duck yet. These folks are, you know, they're going to have control next year, almost, you know, but they still feel this need, especially the, the, the candidates that are leaving office by the end of the year. There's a lot of folks that were term limited that are maybe not necessarily they're not going to be around next year, but they're like, "Hey, let's let's try to ram through what we can do before I leave, and I don't have to look the citizens in the face next year after all these garbage bills are passed." Um, we've got a, a HGR six, which is actually going to make it harder for citizens to pass ballot initiatives. You know, um, basically, I think it makes it a sixty percent instead of fifty percent plus one, which is what. The, this country was built on now they're going to try to make it to where if if we as citizens in the state of ohio want to overturn something our legislature's done it takes a 60 percent you know uh bogey to to hit um there's three bills out there that for some reason they put into that well we know what the reason is but to ban books and change curriculum in the schools and there's there's many bills that are now attacking education where um governor dewine wants to be able to to control the the state school board and basically making the elected positions of the state school board meaningless because they want control of the public schools they don't want to fund them but by god we want control of them yeah. So I mean, it's just really, really scary. These bills that are they're going there's even um, there's even a couple bills out there that they two bills that they've put through, which are Senate Bill 16 and 185, which punish peaceful pro- protesters. So it's quite obvious what uh, Governor Dewine and many of these uh, in the GOP in Ohio want. They don't they want to control public education, but they don't want to fund it they want to um they want to uh limit peaceful protesters because how dare anybody question what is done over at the state house, and they want to make it harder for the citizens to reverse you know to reverse their bad decisions so uh, if, if if I weren't making it up, you you know if if this was if this was made up, it would be hard to believe. But this isn't made up. This is yeah. the truth. This yeah. is reality, and it does show to come full circle that politics do matter. You see what the positive for working families is going to happen in Michigan, but I got a real sense that Ohio is going to enter a real dark period for working families unless we can convince these legislative folks in lame duck here to to just walk away from this bad legislation so i encourage folks to uh, contact their state reps and state senators and and say you know what let it go enough's enough uh yeah. you know
1: frank i want to take our uh, listeners back 11 years and uh, if we go back to 2011 I think many will recall what happened in the state of Ohio, and it happened in other states. It started with Scott Walker in um, the state of Wisconsin when they attacked unions and collective bargaining in the public sector and then eventually turned that state to right to work. You mentioned Michigan, and shortly after that, a couple years after, Michigan went right to work. They tried to do it in Ohio. They attacked collective bargaining in the state of Ohio, and it was called SB5, and it was roundly defeated by the people. Because they passed it in the legislature, Kasich was the governor back then, was ready to sign it, and then all of a sudden, boom, they uh, said no. Now, if that were to happen today and they had the 60% rule, we wouldn't have been able to turn that around. Is that my understanding?
3: Yeah, or it would have been awful close. um, But irregardless, because, uh, you know, I I mean, the messaging during Senate Bill 5, I think that – that would the people and working families were really underestimated by the legislature then, because I think we ended up with well over a sixty percent, um, uh, I want to say sixty-five to sixty-eight percent swing of, of, of voters said, nah, you, you know this is overreach, Governor Kasich, and you know I'm like you. I remember him going on TV saying, you're either going to get on the bus or get run over by it, okay. Well, at that point, the citizens said, no, we're not going to get run over by this bus. We're going to do this citizen's initiative or this ballot initiative and overturn that. Well, we can pretty much see that they're still wincing a decade later. And many of these bills that they're putting in legislation are totally designed to remove the citizens' ability to, to ever do that again. And I mean this is this has been an ugly plan, particularly in Ohio that and across the country. You know, we've had groups like Alec that come in and they they run the same bills in every state that are all anti anti working family, anti anti voter bills. Um and, you know, it's 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 been a grand plan from gerrymandering of districts and we've witnessed how they've refused to to go with with uh, you know the the groups that were assigned with uh, an agreed to group that was assigned to to try to correct the gerrymandering that's been done in Ohio in particular over the last uh, decade and a half. And let's be honest, one party's got these districts made up. You could very well bring a golden retriever in and run him and put g o p on the on the collar of some of these in some of these districts and 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 the golden retriever would win that district that's that's just just reality right. and so um you know this is just that next step then okay we're we're going to make sure we never lose control of the legislature. we're then going to even if we do something very bad uh we 're going to make it virtually try to make it virtually impossible for the citizens to overturn it yeah. and it's just it 's just really, really sad, you know in a perfect world and we 've said this all along through this gerrymandering thing in a perfect world, each district's fifty fifty, and then you get back to where it 's really good people and at the end of the day with politics being local in a fifty fifty district chances are that you're going to get enough to come across the aisle from either side to vote for a good candidate, and we're going to end up with fair representation. Mm-hmm. And and we're going to end up with something that's just not so totally out of whack that you end up with, with one group of people, and in this case it's working families, that are totally being discounted. So you're right, uh, it probably would have made it uh, – next to impossible back during Senate Bill 5, um, the messaging was so great then. I mean, it was, you know, mm. right to work, so-called right to work is is unsafe, it's unnecessary, and wrong for Ohio. And that message resonated with voters. And the same message resonates today. I mean, when we see that union favorability is, is in the 70%, but uh, when you've got your legislature sitting there trying to, wipe out any public opinion on anything, it, you get into a really scary area. And uh, I think Ohio's probably going to witness that. Hopefully the legislature turns around and just lets this stuff go. But um, I was very disappointed in our Secretary of State, Frank LaRose. Um, you know, he he instigated or initiated a lot of this um, anti-voter stuff. And, you know, I thought he was a Secretary of State and his whole design was to make elections fair, not make legislation. He was in the House at one time in this state as a state rep. Um, I'm very, di- very disappointed that somebody in that position would would try to change law instead of re- reacting to laws that were made and make them fairer. So
0: yeah,
1: it's yeah.
3: just really scary. It makes you know disappointing.
1: Just for the record, Frank LaRose, who's now the Secretary of State, was in the legislature when SB 5 came up. He said he was not going to vote for it, but he did. Okay. Changed his mind on that one. All right. Elections matter. We always say that on the show. Frank Matthews, Administrative Director for District 4 of the CWA. We'll continue with him later in the show. We're going to check in with the Food and Commercial Workers, Local 75, which covers Ohio. Indiana and Kentucky. Back in a few minutes.
0: This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com.
2: It takes Line una to power North America with affordable energy.
1: O-R-G. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO.
0: Hello from the Communication Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants, Telecommunications, CWA Passenger Services, Public Health Care, and Education Workers, the IUE, CWA Industrial Division, the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector, and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong, visit our website at www.cwad4.org. That's cwad4.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferencz with America's Workforce. And remember,
1: you can check us out on at least six platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. When you get an opportunity, just do this. Sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep him coming. Let's go back to our live line. Rejoin Frank Matthews on behalf of the Communication Workers of America national website cwa-union.org. Okay, uh, Frank, we got to talk about fighting not to, not the CEO, <laughs> but our government. In this case, it's the Federal Trade Commission. And here's the deal. There's a company, they're a video game giant. They're called Activision Blizzard. And uh, Microsoft is trying to acquire them. And apparently, the Federal Trade Commission says that's that's not good. It's going to hurt consumers. Well, Microsoft said... If they acquire them, they would remain neutral in a union organizing drive. That's pretty significant, pretty significant. And this has gotten comments from all far, all parts of labor. Liz Schuler even issued a statement over the weekend on this. Said, hey, what are you doing here? We're, we're trying to move forward on this deal. <laughs> So, uh, Frank, <laughs> what do you think is going to happen here with this? With uh, obviously, the CWA is speaking very loudly about this situation. What's uh, what's your take on it?
3: Well, on this one, I'm going to start at the end and what I think the end will ultimately happen, or I hope will ultimately happen, um, and then kind of work back to how we got here. But you know. <sighs> We just believe that the Federal Trade Commission's case is probably not going to convince a federal judge um down the road that uh you know, that the, the Federal Trade Commission's case is is is, is viable or, or holds any water, particularly when um, you know, this is a this is the European Commission may approve this deal. Prior to any of this, so it's going to look really really weird and it's going to be a pretty unusual hard take for for a federal judge here to um to take the federal trade commission's side on this if you know especially when European judges and commissions start approving this deal um, so i mean this is a this is a multinational thing, and um you know the this uh this Activision company Activision Blizzard, and I think like we talked about they're you know they're like the king in the gaming industry and um you know they've made it no uh, they've they've really already used significant power their powers that they had to to resist workers organizing efforts and clearly Activision Blizzard. Is, you know does not wish to respect their workers to freely and fairly organize, and you know that's why CWA kind of stepped in and said, "Hey, there's got to be a remedy here." Well, enter, enter Microsoft, who you know who wants to acquire them, and it's not like here's what's so frustrating about it. It's not like there's any deal on the table. All Microsoft said is that. When we acquire them, we're going to remain neutral on any on any uh, union uh, organizing effort. Which that's that's the way things should be. That's right. that's the way the whole process is set up. There, there was no agreement in place that okay, if we acquire this company, that there's going to be this deal in place or this deal. You know, it's just. All they said is we're going to remain neutral, so it's kind of frustrating, in a way. Um, you know, nobody but CW, and I get it. You know, I mean, you know, the Federal Trade Commission. I think this time they've they've kind of um, so they're they're solely considering the consumer harms, and in this case, um, you know, they're the biggest company that's that's crying here is sony because sony's concerns about increased competition well increased competition historically brings better better prices okay so that's you know basically the the argument really doesn't doesn't hold up and there's been nobody that when you talk about workers affected during acquisitions there's nobody been more critical of that than the communication workers of america we actually have analyzed all these mergers and there have been many in the past that we've come out against because a they hurt workers and maybe they hurt consumers too i mean the the the, the both so for us to support this the way we have um you know, I think speaks volumes on how how this is going to be good for workers. And it's it's not going to hurt consumers. But, you know, the Federal Trade Commission is is focused solely on consumer harms and not worker issues. So um, let's hope at the end of the day that a federal judge somewhere sees that and sees that, you know, the European nations are having no trouble with this deal. The European commission is having no trouble approving this deal. And that, um, the real, uh, motivation, you know, between, behind Activision Blizzard and those that want this killed aren't necessarily about, um, uh, consumer harms. You know, it's more about one, one, one industry leader, uh, trying to limit competition
1: yeah yeah i like what uh, chris shelton your president said about this and he pointed out the importance of a cba collective bargaining agreement he said union representation and collective bargaining agreements are the most powerful tools we have to balance power between workers and companies so let's move forward on that we'll see uh, what the judge has to say absolutely frank we're just about out of time i want to give another plug here i mentioned this at the top of the show and it's so important because so many people do not have internet service in this country and when you add it up it's funny because not too long ago i was paying just a fraction of what i'm paying now (laughs) You know, because they bundle everything with uh, Internet and TV and, and all that, and your, and your phones and all that. But uh, there is an affordable connectivity program, and the CWA is, is pushing this. Just go to this website, acpbenefit.org, and you can submit an application, acpbenefit.org. Now, there are income guidelines, but uh, the benefit, this is amazing. Up to $30 a month discount for Internet service, up to $75 a month discount for households on qualifying tribal lands, and a one-time discount of up to $100 for a laptop, a desktop, computer, or tablet purchased through a participating provider. So just go to that website. Here's a toll-free number, too. It's 877-384-2575. And CWA is pushing this very, very hard. Okay, my friend, you take care. Good job, as usual. We got some work to do in the state of Ohio, but uh, Absolutely. <laughs> it never we're, ends. We're up for it. It never ends. Stay safe, buddy. The best of the holidays to you. We'll talk to you in the new year, okay?
0: Take care, my brother.
1: All right, we're going to take a quick break. Bill Benner is with the Food and Commercial Workers Local 75. He's coming up next.
0: This is America's
2: Workforce. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The United Steelworkers
1: of America represent over 70,000 workers in the state of Ohio. Steelworker members enjoy the benefits of some of the best contracts of any workers in the world. Many of your friends, neighbors, and relatives are members of one of the most effective democratic unions in our country. With the pressures unorganized workers are under in today's economy, you need to join them. So call the Steelworkers Organizing Office at 216-292-5683 or toll free at
0: 1-800-443-3752. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more.
2: America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd-Waterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwaterson.com.
0: To America's workforce, here's Ed flash Farens
1: And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Let's go to uh, Dayton, Ohio right now, which is the home of the Food and Commercial Workers Local 75, UFCW75.org is their website. And uh, this is a union that represents workers in Ohio, Indiana, as well as Kentucky. They have about 30,000 members. That's a pretty good size union there. Joining us on our live line right now is Bill Benner. Bill is the director of organizing and political action. And you're telling me you grew up union. Your dad was, uh, what, IBW member? Is that right?
4: Yeah, yeah, IBW member and then uh, eventually an organizer and retired as a business agent for them.
1: Good, good, good. How long have you been with uh, 75 now?
4: Uh, a little over eight years, about eight and a half years now.
1: Good, good, good. So how are we doing? I mean, food and commercial workers, we had the pandemic. We're still in the pandemic. Workers getting sick. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of workers decided not to uh, be in that uh, sector anymore. And then there was organizing in non-union grocery stores, and, and that's still going on. So uh, maybe you could paint a picture where we stand right now, post pandemic, how's it look here, Bill?
4: Well, you know, I think uh, I think there's some some optimistic signs, but we got a lot of work ahead of us, Dave. Um, you know, especially coming out of this pandemic uh, in, in the grocery retail and pharmacy retail industries, that it's really our core industry here at UFCW, that in food packing and processing, we're really seeing a lot of automation, even in the retail side. Uh, home delivery and uh, uh, in-store pickup is is more and more common, and uh, a lot of that leaves workers behind. Um, you know, one of our, our big targets right now is is a, a almost fully robotic uh, uh, grocery uh, delivery warehouse uh, just north of Cincinnati in Monroe, Monroe Ohio, owned by Kroger, and uh, you know they're shipping shipping food directly to to people's homes, which is uh, a nice convenience. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're, they're reaping more and more profits, uh, on the backs of our our hard labor. So,
1: so the, the automation, I know this is hurting a lot of unions, uh, any idea right now on how many jobs are, well, have been lost or threatened by robotics right now? Do we have any, any date on that right now, Bill?
4: There there might be. I don't have it uh, off the top of my my head. Uh, I wish I did. Um, You know, I I know. uh, Like you said, it's whether it's the automotive industry or uh, um, you know what we do in in, in grocery retail. um, You know, automation is the future. We're not going to be able to stop it. We got to learn to live with it. But but while we're doing that, we got to make sure that we we protect the folks that that are still coming to work every day. um, Right, right, and, and allow these companies to be profitable. So.
1: Well, I understand you got a couple of elections that uh, you've uh, that you came on the winning side of. I'm reading. What is it? Um, let's see, Indiana and the other one. Would that be Minnesota? A couple of locals, UFCW yeah. locals.
4: Yeah, yeah. So a couple other UFCW locals were kind of working uh, across our our four state region and, and even outside into the other region that covers Minnesota. But our international's been been pivotal in coming after some of these half price bookstores one um, elections up in Minnesota and over in Indiana, we've um, had a lot of workers uh, throughout our jurisdiction and throughout our region where these stores are located uh, reach out to us and express just, just working conditions, right? Uh, with automation in their sphere, it's a little bit different. Half Price Books isn't uh, doesn't have the capital to maybe invest in some of these automation services, and so... Um, where they end up uh, trying to trying to eke out their profits is is on the backs of these workers, and they're standing up, wanting a voice on the job, wanting better pay, better working conditions, and, and fair treatment at work.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, you're the director of organizing and political action, and, and the two kind of go together. And, and I know yeah. you've uh, since you cover various states. Um, there's been some wins. There's been some losses. How does the landscape look going into 20? 23 because organizing has been going crazy here, especially yeah. with, with the pandemic and I'm just wondering what what the future holds right now bill
4: well uh, I wish I had a crystal ball but I think it looks I think things look optimistic um, you know I, I wish we had a little bit better results here in the state of Ohio but I think we still had some good victories we've got a governor's race in Kentucky next year that we'll be watching very closely. Um, you know, one of our, our uh, in my opinion, historic election wins this year was with a, a medical marijuana uh, retail dispensary here in Ohio. We were able to secure the first contract of those types of workers here in the state. Uh, continuing to expand upon that. and down in Kentucky, uh, Governor Bashir is is realizing that uh, medical cannabis and, and medical marijuana is is something that, uh certain folks need and is an industry that's that's uh on the verge across the country and and is fighting his republican legislature and republican counterparts at the state level to try and set up his own commission to to look into uh bringing uh, kentucky along with the rest of the country
1: now let's let's get into that a little bit more because i've talked to a couple of uh, of ufcw locals about cannabis organizing and it, that seems yeah. to me where the growth is going to be um I'm just wondering, well, what what are the conditions in some of those in some of those uh, stores and, and some of the warehouses and some, I guess, some of the facilities that uh, that they produce the, the cannabis, the medical marijuana? And, and what are some of the issues that the workers are talking about why they need a
0: union?
4: Ooh. Well, you know, Dave, I don't think it's very different than, than workers in every in any other industry. Um, you know, they come to work and work hard, put in put in their hard labor, and, and all they want is a fair shake at the end of the day. Um, fair wages, fair benefits, fair treatment at work. And as we continue to see, like you said, that the, the uh, uh, growth of this industry and into new markets like Ohio, uh, uh, I imagine in the future in, in, in Kentucky, And as Ohio continues to, to expand into adult use and other things, this market is just going to continue to grow. We're seeing large corporations from across the, across the country called multi-state operators coming in and and undercutting local businesses, trying to get into the market, undercutting minorities, undercutting uh, uh, and really leaving the rest of the workers behind uh, that that are, that are really making them uh, all this profit day in and day out. Uh, Whether you're in a a processing facility um, or, or a retail dispensary location, um, you know, it, it's a workplace and just like any other workplace, um, you know, workers get mistreated.
1: Yeah. Bill, is part of the conversation, dealing with uh, the mindset on, on cannabis, uh, is that still an issue uh, whether they should go in that direction? I know some states are farther advanced than others. I'm just wondering if you could speak to that.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think. Today, as we sit, it's less whether or not these legislatures want to get involved. I think we're finding more and more they're they're wanting to. Maybe with some exceptions, a little bit slower to the game, but you know I think the tide is is trending in the direction that they're all going that way. The the big conversations we've been having is doing it the right way, making sure workers are protected, making sure minorities and folks who were in this industry before it was legalized and and criminalized for it, you know, have Uh a pathway to get back in and continue to make a living as well. So, you know, I think there's a lot of social aspects of this as well. Um, you know, I'm not here to, to to say whether or not legalization of cannabis is is, is right or wrong. Uh, what I am here to say, though, is is if we're going to set up a legal industry, we need to have legal recourse for workers uh, to have rights in those workplaces and, and protect themselves.
1: And uh, one more question here before you go: um, with the pandemic, yeah. I think it raised a lot of eyebrows about worker safety. And I know you have in your collective bargaining agreements it's spelled out, and then you have obviously the non-union. Facilities, non-union stores that uh, were not as protected. I'm just wondering uh, how we're, uh, you know, going into uh, 2023. Do you see more of the uh, the non-union grocery stores coming over to your side? Because safety and, you know, obviously uh, people want, it's not just wages anymore. And and there's a lot of people yeah. that are, you know, looking for a better job. They want they want a family life and all that. Do you see that as a big issue going into twenty twenty three, especially with the food and commercial workers?
4: Yeah, well, I, I think a couple things. You know, not not only do I think uh, some of our non union counterparts saw some of the benefits of having a, a collective bargaining agreement in the middle of the pandemic, but they're seeing the longer term effects of that as well. I think coming out of this pandemic, we're hearing a lot of reports, some of them anecdotal, but a lot of reports that, that workers want exactly that. They they want to spend more time with their families. Uh, I think especially younger works, the millennials, the Gen Zers, um, want time off. They want paid time off to spend with their family, to, to, to enjoy life outside of work. And it's not all just about, um, you know, uh, sweating to the bone to, to to have a fat bank account, but but enjoy some, some of that money that we can put in our pockets for, from our hard work. And um, so it's those types of benefits in the collective bargaining agreements that we have uh, that I think have been, most receptive to some of our, our non-union uh, counterparts and then and the workers that we're working with to try and organize their own facilities
1: and we'll see what the future holds UFCw75.org is a website joining us today is uh, Bill Benner who's the director of organizing and political action 30,000 strong hopefully that number will increase in the years ahead so uh, stay in touch with us brother and stay safe all right.
4: Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on today.
1: All right. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, I'm going to check in with Smart Local 480 and IBEW 1316 based in Macon, Georgia. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day.
0: That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find
2: out more information online at labortools.com.